0: summoned the Scream Writer's Podcast, the premier podcast welcoming both veteran and -and up-and-coming horror screenwriters
1: slaying
2: their craft.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And now your hosts, Ariel Relaford and Patrick
2: Mediate.
1: Welcome to the Scream Writer's Podcast. I'm Patrick Mediate, and I am joined by the irreplaceable Ariel Relaford hello did you see the in our inbox the message from let's call them mystery manager listening to the show and just loved the show and it was just great to get that kind of feedback and it's really cool and encouraging that the mission we're setting out to uh, accomplish in bringing to the forefront new exciting horror writers is getting attention of managers that's that's exciting to me
2: Yes, I saw that too. And I was like, Oh, my goodness, this is happening. It's working. Yeah, it's so truly I'm, working. I'm so happy.
1: Maybe it could lead to something really exciting where we're a sounding ground for new writers to get discovered. If, if we yeah. do that, at least that I think our mission is accomplished.
2: Yeah, I agree.
1: So, I've been thinking a lot about the process of writing a screenplay, and it's so personal to every single screenwriter that I talk to. Everyone has their own way of going about starting into a screenplay and getting to that initial first draft stage. What's your process?
2: Oh, goodness. A lot of thinking about it and not actually writing. (laughs) (laughs) I think a lot of writers can agree with that one because a big part of the process is thinking and fleshing out everything in your head before you can even create an outline. But some people can just do it. I can't. I have to create a log line first, figure out what the characters sort of want, and then create an outline from there.
1: Yeah, like Lisa on the last show, she just dives right into it. And I think that revolves a lot around her personal experiences that she writes about. Like she said, growing up in a scary haunted house and the thing following her, that was really scary. And going through that experience and living through it makes it so much easier to know it more intimately to get it out on the page. Oh, yeah. I actually draw the characters up first. Do you have a good sense of who your characters are when you go into your screenplay?
2: Yeah, I try. I try to formulate what their weaknesses are, what they want from each of the different characters, what they want in life. So I know how they interact with one another. Yeah. And do
1: you cast your characters? I totally cast my characters as different real life actors to get a sense of how they would talk, their voice, so on and so forth. And I did that for a couple of my screenplays, but I find it helps, especially with dialogue.
2: Oh, I love that. I actually do not. I try to base them off of ideas of people I've met in real life that are just extra, super annoying, super rude. <laughs> <laughs> so not we a all know person. that we all
1: know that person.
2: Yeah, exactly. I try to put people in that are recognizable that everyone's experienced at one point in their life.
1: How many drafts do you do? You do your first draft and then send it out for notes. You're very precious. You don't like to share your. you're writing it not even with me but what's your true first draft that you don't tell anyone it's actually draft 50.
2: I actually send out the first first draft essentially like it'll be written and I'll proofread it and try to catch the little typos and mistakes which always slip through without a doubt but because I take so long to write the draft is probably farther along than people who can speed write Mm. so it's pretty organized it's well written, that kind of stuff. I can't just do the vomit draft, no matter how hard I try. So I can only write a few pages in an hour, but I know some people that can just really crank it out. So since I put a lot of time into each page, it's, it's pretty good by the time it's in the draft stage. I'm doing finger quotes.
1: In my last screenplay, I just I got it all out, but I found myself I kept going back and rereading everything too much, and it wasted a lot of time. And what I'm trying to do now is just get it out. Just go from scene to scene, maybe reread the scene before it, but don't go back all the way to the beginning, read it again, make edits, make changes. It just slows everything down, and I find that when I get it all out, it's much more rewarding because at least I have something complete.
2: Yes. And you can't do anything if you don't have anything written. That's super important.
1: Right, right. And it's also psychologically important. You have that completeness and it's nice to to have that psychologically and that sense of comfort that, hey, I accomplished another full screenplay and now I'm going to make it into the world's best screenplay.
2: Yes, exactly. And I think when people look at it as I need to write 90 pages, it becomes overwhelming. It becomes a daunting task. But if you look at it and say, oh. How about I write this one really cool scene today, like all the way at the end? Cool, that's done. And then you go back or just write wherever you want. There's no rule on what order you have to go in. And you don't have to look at it as 90 pages. You can look at it as one scene a day, two to three scenes or two to three pages a day. It adds up very quickly and it becomes less harrowing.
1: So I'm really excited for our guest today, Stephen Tranaček. He uh, was introduced to me by you, Ariel. Tell us a little bit about Stephen.
2: Yeah, he happens to be one of the first friends I made on screenwriter Twitter, and we always read one another's work and bounce ideas back and forth. He's such a great guy, and I'm lucky to have met him. He's based in St. Louis. He's also a director, which is really cool, and he focuses mainly on horror and comedy. He became a professional film critic during high school, which is wild, which ultimately led him to write screenplays. So he writes character-driven stories that are heavy in psychological and emotional themes paired with a ton of violence and the detail is always just on point. His screenplay pieces, my favorite screenplay of his was a quarterfinalist in the Launch Million Dollar Screenplay Competition. And without further ado, here's Steven.
0: Well, thank you for the introduction. That's the uh, that's the best introduction I've gotten from anybody, I think. Yeah. <laughs>
2: what? <laughs> How is that possible?
0: <laughs> well, I guess I just haven't gotten that many. I think this podcast is a fantastic, fantastic idea to get people out, especially up and coming people. And I just want to thank both of you for doing that. First, well,
1: well Stephen, we're glad you're on. Yeah, we're glad to have you uh, on this episode. We were talking a little bit before this about the um, process that you go through for your screenplays. We're just curious um, what your your process is when you approach a uh, screenplay.
0: The process of writing uh, pretty much comes down to a quick mantra which is as long as you wake up and write you're going to have a finished draft it doesn't matter how long that takes but as long as you do it you're going to finish that kind of applies to the way that my process works which is that usually it starts with me lying on the ground staring at the ceiling just like and trying to come up with some idea, some specific theme that I want to write about. And then once I get a hold of that theme, I usually don't outline. I just like jump in and see what symbols I can get out of it and see what characters I can get out of it. And then uh, by the time that I've gotten to like 30 pages and realized that I have no ground to stand on, that's when I'll stop and be like, oh, I hit a wall and then I'll burn everything, go back to the beginning and start writing again.
1: Was that always like your go-to when you first started writing? It was just like attack and just go to it, and then you just stuck with it.
0: Well, you know, it it really was, and the main like the main part of working with that process is just coming to terms with that process. Because I think whenever I started writing, you know, I, I was a lot more uh, precious about the uh, the the bad stuff that I'd written, a lot more precious about writing up to that those like 40, 50 pages hit a wall. You, you like, uh, something isn't working. The theme just isn't really going. The characters, it's not really tight enough. Um, and I would, I would like get all, you know, you get panicky. You're like, Oh my God, I've spent all this time writing these pages. More recently, I've just been like, okay, I spent that time writing those pages, but I mean, at least I wrote them quick. And and at least I got something out of this, and I'll just burn them
2: and go back to the beginning. You did that for Mosley Mansion, and I was so excited to read it, and you're like, I'm at 90 pages. And then you're like, mm, I started over. Yeah, yep. know. <laughs> I was just like, no! So it went back <laughs> and forth, they were like 30, zero, 40, zero, 90, zero. And then you're like, I think I got it this time. I'm like, I wanna read this damn screenplay so bad, you have no idea. <laughs>
0: The two years that I spent writing that was just shifting, changing the idea in little increments over two years until I got to where I was. And, uh, you know, I, I think a lot of it was trying to figure out like parse the thematic context parse the thematic material in that story um because you're like talking about subjectivity and you're talking and it's talking about the way that horror the film genre started like very in in some problematic territory it's like how do you find a balance there how do you find this balance where you can be critical but also be like loving of it
2: Mm -hmm.
1: now i'm interested to know more about mosley magic what is the true synopsis of this screenplay
0: So Mosley Mansion is about an obsessed horror fan who is invited to her favorite director's home, which is this uh, large mansion kind of based off of uh, Guillermo del Toro's like cabinet of curiosities, his like big house full of stuff, Mm. like from all these horror films. Uh, And the director's name is Milton Mosley. And um, she kind of has to learn to let him go a little bit or at least... Um, take what's good about you know some of the stuff that he creates and the stuff that's useful to her, and kind of separate it from the more uh, the more sick aspects of that. Which I think is a really important thing to do with horror films, especially because the way that problematic material, especially in older horror films, has been kind of uh, I guess uh, co-opted or at least taken in. Uh, by modern audiences is really interesting because people tend to, they take certain things that were looked at as offensive, looked at as off, and it's become kind of a little recontextualized. It's become like something that people actually find a little bit of comfort in, and I think that that's that's something you get with horror in general. I mean, uh, horror, it's had its start at least in the United States as you know, uh, freak shows and circuses, which is of course, a little ableist or so. And you kind of have to take these these pieces of um historical context. You have to take these pieces of like how this stuff has evolved through history, how horror has evolved and kind of figure out a way to concoct them into something that's interesting, but also says something or progresses the genre or pushes it forward a little bit.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. You say that when I approach a horror screenplay, I'm really a cold open kind of guy. And it's interesting that different horror writers have different structures for their uh, screenplays. But I think the cold open has really made this, I don't even know if it's a comeback, but it, it, it's, it's so prevalent now in horror films. It's almost like the, the formula, because you see it in so many horror films and successful horror films across the board. What are your thoughts on cold opens? Do you utilize them in your screenplays, or do you choose a different approach?
0: I don't typically utilize cold opens, mainly because I like to jump right into character stuff. Um, I like Mm -hmm. to just jump in and get running. Um, And my screenplays are usually on a little bit on the shorter side. And it's mainly because through that process of going over and over and over again, you eventually like are like, what do I need? And what do I don't need? And you get to the point where this thing is just like, written down to the bone where it's like, okay, I've, I've kind of gotten rid of most of what I don't need, but kept a little bit of it just to give us a fuller feeling. That being said, I, I think there's great cold opens in a lot of horror films. I think The Ring has a great cold open. I think of course, you know, Halloween has a fantastic cold open. As a screenwriter, you really just have to take the tools that are given to you, take the different ideas and structures, and just figure out a way to put them together into something that means something to you and hopefully will mean something to other people.
2: So Stephen, you're currently in the process of getting your master's in film, correct?
0: Um, Actually, I am currently in the process of finishing up my undergraduate in oh, okay. film. Um, I am 21, so I am like just barely rolling into the end of college here.
1: You've got such a head start on not only the business of writing, but the craft of writing. If you start then and you start writing scripts and you kind of write a lot of scripts, I feel like you um, you, you have an edge and you kind of get the less exciting, less like good scripts out of the way. And you get to where you've developed your craft a little more.
0: The less exciting, less good scripts. That's a very good description for um, <laughs> for some of the uh, some of the crap that I turned out in high school and in college geez oh my gosh um mm-hmm. you
1: look back wow. right and you're like wow you thought it yeah. was great then you thought you were so cool and it was so great but then you just look back on your first scripts five years later and you're like wow he's just blow!
0: right and i i think that's like kind of where this mantra of like if you just keep writing you're gonna get a draft anyway kind of came in because you know, you you look at this thing that you like toiled over, and you know you put so much of yourself into, and you're like, oh god, that's awful. Um, <laughs> and, then, and you're like, okay, well, uh, maybe I should just stop. Yeah, well, I don't want to say necessarily stop caring as much. I want to say. Don't let this like bulldoze you or whatever. Like, have a good time with it. Enjoying the process is what's going to be what matters. Because once you're done with it, I mean, who's happy with their own work? Like, that's my way of looking at it. Like, you have to enjoy the process of getting it done. And once it's done, it it is what it is.
1: It's about the journey, not the destination, right?
0: Yeah, it's about the journey, not the destination.
2: And you've already been kicking butt and taking names along the way. Rumor has it, you've been co-writing a super secret project with a super secret someone. And I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about it. Um, well, yeah, nobody's
1: listening. Nobody's listening. (laughs) So it'll remain super secret.
0: Well, you know, it, 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 it kind of came at me really fast because, um, there was this, this producer um is an writer in St. Louis who I've uh, spoken with and who I've you know interacted with before um and you know actually I'd interviewed him like a few years ago which that that probably gives a couple of clues but um and uh, he he shared out this script Um, He was looking for people to read and give notes on it, and I offered, and I gave him a slate of notes, which, I mean, I I think Twitter has been really, really, really wonderful at, like, developing my note-giving skills. I think that's a really important skill as a screenwriter. But uh, I gave some notes, and he said, hey, uh, do do you want to come and do a rewrite of this quickly with me? And I was like, yeah, sure, I'll do it. Um, And... We put together an outline and put together a new draft in like a week and a half and we're developing it now. We have an actor attached. We're just moving forward and seeing where we can get with it.
1: Talk about being ahead of the game. I can't even imagine working alongside a producer having talent attached to a screenplay when I was 21 years old. What luck? I mean, not luck. You make your own luck.
0: What? Well, but... I mean, a- admittedly, I I would say it is a little bit of luck. Like I I think that, you know, I've been very lucky to get the opportunities that I have. I have, I've been very, you know, I'm very gracious that this is the way that it has happened. And, you know, it's kind of strange because whenever I interviewed this guy, you know, a couple of years ago, I, I filed it in the back of my mind. I said, huh, you know, maybe one day, just a check mark in the back of your mind, maybe one day I'll end up writing something with this guy. And you just... You just file it in the back of your head and you just wait and see what happens. Uh, you, you you just you think of the possibilities. And, you know, for the most part, the stuff that I've thought of has kind of happened. So that's kind of lucky. I mean,
1: well, they say roll with it. that that's a universe. thing. I mean, they say that the whole law of attraction, if you believe in this stuff, which I kind of do. I don't know about you, Ariel, but mm-hmm. I, I I think things all the time and it they come, they do come true. Your thoughts do manifest themselves in ways, mm-hmm. especially if you're, if you're passionate and work towards them, they certainly do.
0: Yeah. I, it, it, it kind of happened with the film criticism stuff that I've done. You know, you just think, oh, I'm going to get here in a couple of years and we'll see how that goes. And then it happens again and again and again. And it's really I think it becomes really affirming, especially whenever you keep writing and keep getting some type of opportunity, that you're able to do those things. That's it's just one.
1: Yeah, it's amazing. Like five years ago, I had this vision that I was going to host a podcast with this girl named Ariel (laughs) on the West Coast. Mm -hmm. And here we are. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's the truth. (laughs) It's the truth, people. If you could remake any horror film, rewrite any horror film. Which one do you think it would be?
0: Oh, man. There was some big news last night about it. And I know that they're doing a series on it now. But um, Hellraiser would be the one. I think Hellraiser really matches up with my specific, like, uh, interests, to say, like as far as horror goes, which I, I love body horror. And I love sad horror. I love sad horror movies. Mm. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Like, like midsummer or something like that like super just really heavy sad are
0: yeah um i it's it's really like a tragedy thing like i i, I i'm overall like generally an anxious person and like <laughs> it feels like really cathartic to watch tragedies where like things go wrong and you can kind of experience that in a real in a safe space like i was thinking about um how i would phrase all of that yesterday and uh I came across a quote from Wes Craven and he said, horror movies don't create fear. They release it. And I'm like, that's perfect. That's a perfect quote. Um, because I, I love horror movies because they release these, like these bad emotions. They release all this stuff that you're carrying around. Like um, I think one of the reasons why I kind of gravitate towards sad horror movies, the, the, the horror film that got me into horror movies is uh and this is kind of a horror film, but is uh, Neil Gaiman's Coraline. Uh, That's that's the big one. I was like nine years old. We saw that in theaters and it was so sad, like the three kids trapped in the mirror. And I was like, oh my God, that's so sad. And I feel so much and I wanna do that.
2: (laughs) Yeah, and it definitely shows in your screenplay. (laughs) Well, like, you you just make them suffer every step of the way. And I'm like, Oh, my goodness, can these people have a break? And you're like, No, (laughs) a sign of happiness, we're gonna move that away.
0: (laughs) I mean, I I don't necessarily hate anyone in my movies. Uh, I think they are just terribly sad people who are making terribly sad mistakes.
2: That's a great way to put it.
0: That's, uh, that's something that I love about Coraline. You know, the kids are making the kids, they make this, these horrible mistakes and this horrible mistake of like wanting to stay in this other world. And they, you know, they get buttons sewn into their eyes. Some really gnarly body horror to be inferred in like a kid's movie. And I think that that's really what scares me the most. Uh, people making really sad mistakes. And I think a lot of people make really sad mistakes because they've given up on trying to be better. Um, I think that what scares me more than anything in this world is somebody who has stopped self-reflecting and who has given up on bettering themselves. Then they take their behavior and they say, this behavior is just the way it is. And even if it hurts other people, even if it, you know, does bad things to the world, I'm not going to stop it because this is just the way it is. I've given up. Uh, That's horrifying to me. That is the scariest thing in the world to me.
1: But let's let's be honest. There's a big difference between making stupid mistakes and making sad mistakes. I hate when characters are written that make dumb mistakes. And I think everybody kind of does now and horror fell into mm-hmm. that trope a little bit with like don't go in the in the other room. There's he's waiting yeah. behind the curtain, you know. But That's I think like there's the a yeah, there's a clear uh delineation between the two things, and I think it's it's very important that that writers understand that.
0: Here's an interesting thing about like stupid mistakes and sad mistakes that I think every single writer should like kind of put in the back of their head. The difference between a stupid mistake and a sad mistake is a s- mistake that is not backed up thematically by your story. And in fact, I think that you can basically get away with anything as long as it thematically matches up with your story. An audience will write it out. Uh, because if you introduce a theme and introduce a character making decisions towards that theme, then the audience is like, wrapped up enough in that theme and the story that they can buy anything. I think that stupid mistakes in films, whenever we see them, are usually a symptom of that character making a decision that doesn't really match up thematically with their place in the story. You have to do a lot of legwork to build in, okay, this is a character who makes decisions that instead of facing the problem that he has, he makes a decision instead to, uh, to externalize that problem. And either that hurts him or hurts other people. Because that theme has been set up, Because that has been established and the character operates within that logic, even if that logic isn't real world logic, uh, then therefore it's more of a sad decision than a stupid decision.
1: Yeah, but I think that gets at a deeper message. Make sure you spend time developing your characters and your characters motivations before diving in. you know to to the screenplay you must know your characters pretty well beforehand at least draw them up
0: so whenever i kind of started writing i would usually put this down on paper in like two seconds and then start writing but now it's kind of something that I just automatically check off the boxes in my head and just start writing. Um, if anybody has read Anatomy of a Story by John Truby, he uh, he talks about how you can really build a rich character web in a script. Uh, is You take the theme that you have, you take a four square, and you figure out four characters that all have different relations to that theme. Uh, And that way you can build like a rich tapestry of what this film is about, what, how these characters are going to act. And I think that's a really good exercise. That's an excellent exercise. Um, I think most like movies that feel like they haven't really hit you, the reason is because they haven't built that tapestry. They haven't shown you a rich view of what they're trying to talk about.
2: Yeah, and this explains why your characters are always so good and so fleshed out and realistic. And that's something I struggle with. And you always give me notes and I'm like, oh, that makes sense. And you just craft such, they're not perfect, but they are perfectly real.
0: Well, thank you. Thank you.
2: So you recently had a reading for pieces. What was that like? And did you learn anything new as a screenwriter or a director?
0: You know, I I think the reading went really well. I, I love the actors that we worked with. Um, I'm going to get a couple of them back for reading A Mosley Mansion soon uh, just because I think that these Twitter table reads are a really useful tool. Uh, it gives you For just a recorded version of your drama, it kind of gives you an idea of, oh, this is working, this is not working, maybe go back in here and reiterate this, like, a little bit just to uh, give the audience a little bit more of a clue what's going on. Yeah, I I think it went really well.
1: Hey, uh, Stephen, I'm going to ask you a question because now I'm super interested, given your taste in films. I'm curious, and we asked this of all of our guests, what scares you?
0: Like, I I don't tend to find spiders or gore or anything like that terribly scary. I just find somebody who is actively giving into behaviors that are damaging to both themselves and the people around them to be awful. I think that is terrifying to me. Because somebody who's caught in a cycle like that, I mean, they're not going to get better. And if they accept that cycle, they're just going to keep hurting people. And that's that's the worst thing. That's that's horrible.
1: I think, Stephen, that you have a bright future ahead of you as a screenwriter. I think you are well ahead of where I was at your time. Um, And I think that's really exciting that you're a truly up and coming screenwriter that has so much ahead of you. Um, and so many years to really develop your craft. I think that's really special, um, and I think we're going to see big things coming out of you. And I think in five to ten years, we're gonna we're gonna see Hellraiser Forty Five, <laughs> and you're gonna be the the writer and director of it. And we're gonna say we
0: had him on the show. Well, thank you, thank you so much. I uh, I'm 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 hoping it goes well. I mean, at this point, I'm at a point where I'm like, I'm gonna make it happen. That's that's it. I'm going to make it happen. And sure, that might be a little naive or so. I just don't see it not happening. And I, I don't mean to say that in like a cocky way or so. I just mean to say, this is what I really want to do with my life. That's it.
1: <laughs> Where can people find you, Stephen, on the social nets, on the intern- on the interweb?
0: Well, they can find me on Twitter at, um, at uh, well, if you type in my name, Stephen t r o n i c e k you're gonna find me because nobody has my name but uh, and that's a stephen with a p h and you can find me on a website which you can find on the twitter uh on my twitter account it's a wix site i'm uh i'm one of the things about being young is that you have to keep learning stuff. So like I spend so much time writing, I don't think about putting together websites very well. So
1: someone on the show will reach out. If anybody is a web designer and would like to help Steven out, please come forward and shoot us a message.
2: Thank you for joining us today. This was so much fun, and I'm so glad I finally got to talk to you.
1: Yeah, thank you yeah. so much for coming on the show, Stephen.
2: Absolutely. Thank you for having me,
0: and thank you again for you know hosting the Screenwriters Podcast. It's just such a great source for people.
2: Of course. Thank you.
1: That was super cool having Steven on the show. He's just great and amazing to listen to. And he's so young and it's so awesome to see someone with so much of a future ahead of him. Thank you for introducing me to him, Ariel, because you've known him for quite some time.
2: I'm glad you two met.
1: (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Next week, we have a really super special guest on the show. I'm really excited to interview them coming up and uh, have you listen to what they have to say. Ariel introduced me to them as well, and it's going to be a super exciting time. So tune in to that next week. Don't forget to check out our sponsor. They do our amazing artwork for our show um they they were gracious enough to do that and they also do horror art on things like knives knives are like their go-to they're 1428 street if you head over to facebook 1428 st whitney over there is just incredible she's doing some special art knives for the show too that she's sending our way so we can look out for that
2: i can't wait
1: and how can people find us on the social nets
2: yes if you like Twitter, you can find us on ScreamWriters PC, Instagram Scream Writers Podcast, and on Facebook Scream Writers Podcast. And if you want to be on the show or have any questions, feel free to send us an email at info at screamwriterspodcast.com.
1: Yeah we hope to hear from you until next week. Keep writing
2: and stay scared.